So like I said, we've got Rosh Hashanah that happened last week. We've got Yom Kippur that's coming up next week. And Jews will call this time period in between the new year and the Day of Atonement the Days of Awe. Um, and if you feel the need to, to look into that, go for it. There is a treasure trove of information about what the, uh, what the Jewish nation goes through um, in this little uh, time period. The most important thing that's uh, transitioning is, like I said, it's not a thousand degrees outside and we can wear flannel again. Hallelujah. Um, we've got elections that are coming up. Church leadership is changing. There's a little bit of change in the air. I know that there are several of you that are transitioning into jobs, about to transition from one career into the other. So it's like, what else can we throw on top of everything that's, that's happening around us? Um, the goal is to not break down. Every time that there's a change, the goal is to not break down in just waves of panic attack and terror, even though that sometimes like, hey, we changed the color of this. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, we painted what, what color? Oh no, you know. So we don't really respond well to changes. A lot of the times our physical bodies don't respond well to a season change. Where's my ragweed sufferers? You know, anytime that there's a season change, I got it um, in July, June or July. I got hit with nasty sinus stuff. And that's when, like every time you coughed in the store, the entire store, like, Turn around, I was like, I promise I don't have the plague. I just, I'm a little sinusy and I've got a big nose, and when it gets stopped up, it's angry. Well, when we transition from one season into another, we can usually do it in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. An unhealthy transition into a new season looks like being drugged against our will to bed. You know, like when a kid is just fighting a nap. Remember, there was a time in your life that you fought naps. How dumb were we? Like, could we go back to that time and just be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, can I have you back? Can you come stay with us again? But like kids that are being drugged into a nap, we will be drugged out of one season into another, usually backwards, so that as we don't want to go into what God's having us go into, we are walking backwards. When, when we do that, we stumble over every little thing. When we are not transitioning seasons well, you notice that like, well, I could have stepped over that, but every little thing upsets you. Every little thing makes you angry. Every little thing makes you start crying. You know, like we have this intense emotional reaction because we're tripping on things as we're going backwards. And some people know that when you trip on things, there's hurt that's associated with it. When you are not transitioning seasons well, it will install in your heart an unhealthy fondness towards nostalgia. You know those guys that are 30 and they're still showing up to the high school football games in their Letterman jacket? And it's like, buddy over. Go home. I'm, I know people like that. That feeling of fond memories of like, ah, it's, all right, guys, remember that Friday night lights? It's like, man, you're 50. Stop hanging out with 12-year-olds. When we don't transition well, it will install, instill in us unhealthy fondness for nostalgia. Oh, I just... I wish we could go back to the good old days. 
I wish we could go back to a simpler time. I wish we could go back to whatever. It was never a simpler time. They were never good old days. You were angry back then too. But if you could just transition healthily, every decade of your life is better than the former one. You couldn't pay me enough money to go back to high school. You couldn't pay me enough money to go back to my 20s. Oh my gosh, to have to relive all that mess again? Did you have a great time in your 20s? Had a blast. I would never do it again. Um, like here in a few years, I transition to like the 40s. Thank God. I will be freed from all the idiocy of the 30s. You know, every year, every season, every generation, if we're doing it the right way, it's like, yay. Now, does that mean that that next season doesn't have scary things in it? No, it's terrifying. It's a whole lot better than looking backwards with rose-colored glasses. I'm going to read Deuteronomy 24. We've been talking about the Israelites walking around in the desert and dropping dead because they refused to walk into their gifting and their calling. Deuteronomy 24, this is the end of the Torah. This is the end of the Pentateuch. This is the end of the first five books of the Bible. Um, Jews would say that this is the canon, and then everything happens after that is just maybe mild recommendation. Um, Christians have a different view of the canonicity of the Old Testament. But Deuteronomy 24, starting in verse 5, And Moses, of the, ser the servant of the Lord, died. Well, great. The great deliverer dropped dead in the wilderness. He died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He, capital H, the Lord, buried him in Moab in the valley opposite of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where the grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the, Lord commanded, what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and all of his officials and to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. So if we're talking about how to healthily transition, Israel is standing at the banks of the Jordan River and their great deliverer, their great leader, dies. Well, what did they do? They grieved and they mourned for 30 days until the time of grieving and weeping was over. Then they remembered and celebrated all of the miracles that took place in Moses' life. And I think that this gives us a good roadmap on how to transition seasons effectively. When we are coming out of one season and into another, you need to get a list of stuff that you need to grieve over. We lost a lot of things last season. We lost loved ones. We've lost friendships. There are, there are dreams that died in the last season that we didn't get to see fulfilled. We lost pets. We lost a lot of stuff. We just walked through a tornado this year. It's a tremendous amount of people that lost everything. And when we don't take time to grieve and to mourn, they did it for 30 days. How quickly do we move on? How quickly is like, all right, put it all together. You got work to do. 
We don't take time to grieve and to mourn. And so our heart is still staying in the valley of Moab while we are dragging it out of some, you know, like, no, we got to get to the promised land. There's stuff to do. God has work for us to do. Quit your grieving and your mourning and dr- get drug out of the land of Moab. But like, our hearts need to stay in that season until the time of weeping and, and mourning is over. Now, when the time of weeping and mourning is over, move on. But don't just move on because it's required or you're tired of being in the valley of Moab. They, they mourned what happened in Moses' life. And then, man, do you remember the miracles that took place? Do you remember the amazing things that we saw last season? We don't ever give ourselves an appropriate time to celebrate that stuff. What happened last season? Some of you got new jobs. Some of you got raises and promotions. Some of you guys got new pets and all the fun, exciting stuff that comes with that. We got new babies. It was a good season. When we don't take time to celebrate what God did in our life in that last season, we just throw our nose to the grindstone and it's all, it'll never be enough. You always got to keep pushing. It's like, but God answered our prayer right here. It's like, well, that was the last season. God's not answering my prayer this season. It's like, well, could you take a, a second? Could you, could you spend some time in a feast of thanksgiving to the Lord of what he did last season? It's like, yeah, but all he did was make it rain. It's like, right. The miracle of rain. How often do we complain about the rain? Well, while farmers are like, throwing their hearts before the Lord of God, please make it rain. But every time we have a church picnic, I gripe and complain about the rain. What might feel like an inconvenience for me now might actually be a blessing in disguise. And if I don't take the, take the time to put my morning glasses or my busyness glasses off and put on the glasses of praise and thanksgiving, I miss the miracle of God. John uh, the Baptist was in prison. He was the prophet that proclaimed the Messiah showing up in Israel. And then he got arrested. He eventually died. But he is in prison and he sends his disciples to Jesus, his cousin, and has his disciples ask him, are you the Messiah or are we looking for somebody else? Then Jesus says, go back and tell John that the blind see, the lame are walking, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and the captives are being set free. Imagine. Imagine the disciples of John. Okay, what did Jesus say? Well, Jesus said that the captives are being set free. Where? Where are captives being set free? Because they're not being set free here. And then John, or Jesus turned around and said, who did you go out in the desert to see? Did you go out to see a, a reed shaken by the wind? Did you go out to see a prophet? No. You went out into the desert to see more than a prophet. Because just as maybe Moses wrote about it himself, maybe Joshua wrote the tagline, that nobody in Israel has ever risen up and performed the miracles that God performed through Moses. Ever. He was it. 
And then Jesus turned around and said the exact same thing to John. Said that he was the greatest prophet of the Lord that had ever lived. So just because Jesus happens to not be rescuing you out of your current prison right now does not mean that the season of captives being set free is a lie. Like when we sing some of that stuff, I know that it hurts your heart. You know, when you've got family members dying of cancer and you sing about how God's a healer, I know. But if we never put on the glasses of praise and celebration, we miss the miracles. Even if the miracle is happening in my neighbor's field. Could I celebrate the miracle that's happening over there even though that my corn's dying? Could I celebrate that? So let's take a second and get some paper out, get your, get your phone out, or just close your eyes. And we are not going to be overly touchy-feely or sappy about this. We need to get a list of the things that we lost the last season. And I don't know what the last season looks like to you. I don't know if you've been in a month-long season or a year-long season or a decade-long season. I don't know what the last season looked like to you. What do we have to mourn? What family members did we lose this last season? Mighty men and women of faith that have, that have gone on before us. Or maybe the person that you lost was a doofus. They're still worthy of mourning. Can you think about the friendships that slipped away this last season? And even though that you might not want those friends back, we can still at least mourn the, the gap that their, that their loss created. Did you get in a wreck this last season? Did you lose a car? Did you have a tree limb fall? Did you lose a tree? It seems dumb to mourn that stuff until you're in it and you're dealing with the pain that that loss reminds us of. Did you remodel a room and you're not quite happy with the color? And every time you walk in the room, you feel that your memories are somehow tainted just a little bit of what could have been. Or did you intend to get around to remodeling a room and there you sit, no drywall on the wall, exposed studs, and your heart aches for what could have been Did your bank account take a huge hit this last season? Were you saving something for retirement and then you realized, oh, I thought I had more saved up? Did you get passed over for a promotion that you thought you should have had? Did your boss promise you something and just never come through with it? Have you been promised a quarter raise for the last five years? Did you lose a pet? All of that stuff creates hurt and pain and loss. And if we don't appropriately deal with it, the stench of that loss will affect every part in this next season that we're about to walk into.
You ever had a mouse die on a wall? And it's just like every time you come home, it's like, what is that? It's loss that's inappropriately dealt with. When we lose loved ones, we don't, we don't let them sit in the living room. We appropriately deal with that loss. So, Father, we are thankful for the experience of what we had. And, Lord, we lift up and we want to communicate that our hearts are hurt, that what we had is not, no longer in our hands. There is a hurt in our heart because of the loss of a thing or a memory or a loved one or a season. So Holy Spirit, we know that you are the God of all comfort and you comfort us in our time of need so that we have the ability to comfort our brothers and sisters when they're in a time of need. And so Father, we say that we have lost things in this last season. Lord, would you stay with us and teach us how to deal with that loss? so that we leave the pain, the hurt, and the rejection and bury it, plant it in your garden in this season so that you would redeem it in the next one. So instead of the pain of, and hurt of loss, that we have the joy of memories and experiences. Staying in that environment, what did God do this season? How many amazing new relationships and friendships did he bring into your life this season? Guys, in this room, I saw people that had lost loved ones in that tornado and got met with loving, caring arms of the body of Christ. In this room. Because we pay the mortgage and because we keep the lights on, we had the ability as a church to host helping people walk through the most difficult time in their life. Do you know how many people we've fed this season? Did you get a new job or new responsibilities or a promotion this season? Who got a cute new little pet? Doesn't matter how many times they mess up the carpet. Doesn't matter how many shoes they, or shoes they chewed up. You know what your heart does when you're around like a, that new playful kitten or that new puppy. Or did you rescue an older dog, and for the first time, maybe in their abused life, they have the ability to experience an entire day without being kicked at or yelled at. Who in this room has just walked into a new sense of your identity? Did you uncover something about yourself this year? It's like, I didn't know that about me. Did God show you a, a gifting that you had that you didn't realize? Did God show you through, uh, through friendships with somebody else a new way to, to view your reality? Who in this room has taken steps to, towards greater health? Mentally, relationally, physically, emotionally? There are some people in this room with more, bank, or with more money in their bank account than you did last season. Who got a promotion or an answer to prayer. There was miracles that have been represented by our family. We're, we're not millions of people. We're a little family. 
And God has moved mightily in this last season. Why in the world would we not praise? Did we lose things? Yeah, we lost things. But there is, he is worthy of celebration for what happened in our lives. Did you have a birthday this past season? Yeah. It beats the alternative. Paul the Apostle disagrees, but, you know, he was grouchy and morbid sometimes. So, so Father, we are thankful for the abundance of harvest that came through this place, came through these families this last season, God. And not only those that are represented here, but all of our friends and our family members that, that impact and touch our lives, you are reigning in our fields and you are bringing provision and abundance into our lives. And we just want to thank you. Even if... The only thing that we saw this last season was a cloud on the horizon the size of the man's hand. I want to celebrate what you have done in my life, God. And there is a laundry list of things that I completely ignored. I had no idea that you, you rescued me out of situations that should have taken me out. You protected me from attacks that should have killed me. You brought an abundance of provision. And I, in my own ignorance and my own lack of gratitude, I had no idea what you did. I want to thank you for being the rescuer of our seasons. Guys, when the, when the Israelites were being led around in the desert, there was fresh bread falling on them from heaven. There was water streaming out of a rock. God led them around different armies that would have killed them. And every day they were doing nothing but griping and complaining, yet God not once held it against them, didn't cut off their food, made sure that their like converse didn't wear out in the middle of the desert. God provided for them every step of the way. God has provided for us every step of the way, no matter what our attitude has been. He is abundantly good. Anything that you might think that God is good, he's better than that. It is the too good to be true news that we have inside of us. All right, we mourn, we celebrate, and then what do we do? Joshua 1.1. This is the next verse. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land that I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place that your foot touches ground. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not give in to dismay. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What do we do? We set our eye on our hill country. 
We set our eye on the season that we're about to walk into so that we are not drug into this next season backwards against our will. We have buried the loss that we experienced the last season. We have celebrated and given thanks for what we got last season. Now it's time to put a bookend to have a chapter closing um, on that last season. Good or bad, it's over. Then we turn our shoulders. And even though there is a river in our way, even though that there are nasty, hairy giants, there is nothing in front of us that has the ability to stand against us. Because you're strong and smart. <laughs> Imagine if your destiny rested on your shoulders to perform. <laughs> Imagine if every problem that came up to you was up to you to, to meet it, to solve it. The reason why we are experiencing so much stress and anxiety in our lives is because you think that it is your responsibility to accomplish the land that, the, that you're about to walk into. The dreams and the visions that you have coming up over the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, if you think that it is up to you to whip every giant in front of you, yep, that's why we have so much gray hair. It's not up to us. It's not on your shoulders to perform your destiny. It's up to the Holy Spirit. How many times does he say, be strong and courageous? Why does he say that? Because it's terrifying. All of you guys have walked into a new season. It's terrifying. We're about to remodel the house. Oh, my God. About to start a new job. We're about to move to a new city. You nervous? Terrified. You going back down? No. Why? How about this? How about you repeat after me? I'll be strong. I'll be strong. I'll be strong. <laughs> Even if it feels like a lie. I'll be strong and courageous. I'm not going to give in to fear. I won't dismay. For he's with me. And he will deliver everything that he promised me. <laughs> are there things in the land that we're about to walk into that are terrifying? Yeah. Man, if you only knew how nasty those giants were. Thank God that he's not shown us everything that we're about to walk into. <laughs> like, God, will you show me what's about to come? No. Because <laughs> you would turn around you'd run screaming. Now, you are stronger than you think that you are. You are prepared for battles that you don't think that you're prepared for. So God, in his wisdom, makes us ignorant. <laughs> like, that's okay. You'll worry about Goliath when you get there. Just, just ignore that nasty person. How about Joshua 2, verse 1? Is it okay if we read a lot of Bible verses? I mean, it is a church. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly spent, sent two spies from Shittim. You got to be careful with that one. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went, entered into the house of a prostitute named Rahab. I wonder, well, how funny is that, that that's the first place that they went? And then they stayed there. Well, great. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Hey, I know that when people come into the city, they usually come here, so... Let me tell you, 
Bring out the men that came to you and entered into your house because they have come here to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken these two men and hidden them. I love that she had an emotional, like a mental place of like, there's people here that don't need to be found. And she had like storage places in her roof. We don't read through this stuff, by the way. <laughs> like when we just read through this, we don't realize like, man, this is not really PG material. Verse 5, at dusk, when it came time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way that they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she said, um, but, oh, but she had taken them up to their roof, or to her roof, and hidden them under stalks of flax she, that she had laid out on the roof. So these men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone, the gate was shut. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up to the roof and said, I'm telling you, this is going to set us free. What did Rahab the prostitute say? I know that the Lord has given you this land. And the great fear of you has fallen on us. So that all that live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea 40 years ago. We heard what happened to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Did, did Israel destroy them? No, that was the Lord. Verse 11, we heard of it and our hearts melted in fear and everybody's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is the God in heaven above and on earth below. The great fear of you has fallen on us. There is, as we wrap up, there are treasures in your future. There are treasures in the season that you're about to walk into. There are rubies, there are gems that are being guarded by giants. And remember, it was a few weeks ago, we talked about like the, these giants aren't people. It's not the governor, it's not the president, it's, it's none of that stuff. These giants are mindsets that, that trap people in chains of addiction and cycles of depression. It's rulers and powers and workers of darkness. It's all of that stuff. That is what's guarding the treasure that you're about to walk into. And we think that they're nasty, scary giants that like we're going to have to do battle with. The powers of darkness in the season that we're about to walk into are terrified of you waking up in the morning. They're terrified. They're showing a really good uh, um, face of not being terrified. But every day... I hope he doesn't come near me. I hope she doesn't come near me. That all you have to do is just show up on the month that that battle is supposed to take place. All you have to do is just show up. And the giant is terrified, runs in fear. As long as we'll just stand there. Knees trembling. The great fear of you has fallen on the powers of darkness. The great fear of you has fallen on the giants that are guarding your destiny. They're not, they're scary, but they're not that scary. They're hairy, but they're not that hairy. They smell bad, but they're quaking in their boots. All you have to do is just show up and not turn around and run away. Because the people that don't make it into the next season, the reason why they didn't make it into the next season is because they looked at the giant and ran away. Don't run.
Yeah, they're scary. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, they smell bad. They'll run away from you if given half the chance. Everybody knows that bully on the playground. That bully in the playground gets popped once. They shut their mouth. Everybody's got a plan until they take a punch to the mouth. I want to read, this is a word that I think that God has given me. So, like, if, if we've not been paying attention, let's, let's pay attention real quick, and then I've got a chapter out of Isaiah to read, and then we'll be done. We'll figure out what the next few weeks look like. There are giants in the land, powers and principalities, mindsets of darkness, lumbering giants of compulsive adherence to dead religion, cycles of addiction, warped and stunted views of self-worth. The inability to dream or hope, a fear of loss of control, and the rage that partners with that loss of control. Those are the giants that are in the land. Every part of your promise and your destiny is being held prisoner by a giant. But they're terrified of you and your gifting. Your destiny has been in prison for far too long. It is longing to be set free from the, the, from the captivity of the powers of darkness. Treasures and spoils of war, new positions of influence and peace, giftings and visions, hopes and dreams, freedom and joy are being held in chains in this future season. They are longing for the day that your foot steps foot on the ground. Because when you cross the river and you start walking through your promised land, freedom follows you. Joy and hope, new visions, new self-worth, provision pops up around you. All you have to do is just start walking. God said he'd give you the land that you put your foot on. He said that there's no foe that's going to be able to stand up against you. He told Joshua that, but... I mean, I think it kind of applies. So anytime we change a season, we mourn, we celebrate, we turn our shoulders to the hill country, and we push on towards destiny. But another thing that we need to do when we change seasons is we need to fast. We need to proclaim a fast. Because there's a new cycle, there's a new season, there's a new government that's about to take place in the land of promise. And when we walk into that, we proclaim a fast. Joshua said it. Prepare yourselves for tomorrow we cross the Jordan. We need to prepare ourselves, but not a normal fast. I want to read, and this is the last chapter we'll read. We're going to proclaim a fast for the next, you know, say three days. But I don't want you skipping out on pancakes. I don't want you skipping out on TV shows. That's not the fast that we're going to do. Isaiah 58. No, this is the kind of fasting that I want. I want you to free those that are wrongfully imprisoned, to lighten the burden of those that work for you, to let the oppressed go free, to remove the chains that bind people. So if you are shackling people in unforgiveness and bitterness and holding people's past sins against them, let them go. If you're a jerk at work, stop. It seems easier said than done, I realize. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those that need them and don't hide from your relatives who need your help. Oh, I'd rather give up Dunkin' Donuts. 
Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer and he'll say, I'm right here. He will quickly reply, remove the heavy yoke of oppression and stop pointing your fingers and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those that are in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, restoring your strength, and you will be like a well-watered garden, an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the desert ruins of your ancient cities, and you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. How about that? You will rebuild the desert ruins of your cities. You're going to be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. For all those people that are working tirelessly in the school system, that are, that are walking through the, the pain and the frustration and the irritation that, that surrounds the adoption process, you're going to be called a restorer of homes. Those of you in this room that have taken on the mantle of stepfather or stepmother, you're going to be called a restorer of homes. It's a good season. Let's stand up and let's pray.